Welcome to the Salted Carmel podcast from Our Lady of Mount Carmel Parish, where we talk about individual faith stories. I'm Jody Curtis, a parishioner, and with me is my very talented co-host, David Cook, the stewardship director at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Our guest today is Ann Slamkowski. Ann, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and about your time at Our Lady. Well, uh, we were at Our Lady of Mount Carmel for about 10 years. Uh, Pete, my husband, and my three kids, Megan, TJ, and absolutely loved our time at Our Lady of Mount Carmel and saw a lot of our faith growth there. I am currently in Cincinnati. Pete was, well, transferred over here for his job, and I teach a Montessori program middle school. So I teach sixth, seventh, and eighth graders currently here in Cincinnati. And Ann, tell us about some of the ministries that you were involved in when you were at Our Lady. I was involved in a lot of ministries. I was very involved in the Christ Renews Parish retreat weekends. Uh, Pete and I both were spiritual directors for several teams. My team. Um, That's why I ask you, because uh, you were on mine. <laughs> yes. And I. Um, that was probably my favorite ministry that I was involved in. I also worked at the office for a short time. I worked for the uh, Frasati Society. I was the administrative assistant and worked part-time. So we had our hands in a lot of places. I'm sure people were sick of seeing us at Our Lady of Mount Carmel. No, no, we miss you. We yeah, miss well, you. Do you miss it? That's the question. <laughs> I, I do. I do miss Our Lady of Mount Carmel. It's hard to compete with that kind of a parish. It's such a strong faith community. We've been all over the United States for Pete's job. And I have to tell you, that was probably our favorite faith community. And you were just telling us to tell our listeners about your son, TJ and how he'll be helping us out this summer. Yeah, so TJ is in the seminary through the Lafayette Diocese. He is up in Minnesota at St. John Vianney Seminary. They too were pulled out during this whole COVID response. So he's now uh, stationed at an old convent in Lafayette with six other seminarians um, to continue their formation, which is very important, especially during this time. And then his summer assignment is at Our Lady of Mount Carmel at the parish. So, Anne, do you remember a time in your life without Christ? Oh, gosh, just like so many of the other podcasts that I've been listening to, I never remember a time without Christ. And that just makes me smile because I know I'm fortunate. I've spent a lot of years listening to people's stories and hearing their journeys. And I know that doesn't exist a lot. I was very blessed with a a mother and a father who were both incredibly busy in the Methodist church. I was at church all day on Sundays, and my parents were instrumental in starting St. Mark's United Methodist in Carmel. And so still dear to my heart is that basis community that's so small and, and such a great experience for me. That's awesome. You're mentioning the Methodist church. Like, at what point are we going to get to you hearing your conversion story? Yeah, I was a Methodist for uh, 28 years, and I always like to tell the story that my husband had was from a Polish Catholic family, and his grandma used to tell him, you just need to find yourself a good Catholic girl, and I said, well, good thing you got one, you got a girl. And then what happened? Well, and then later on, as we started progressing with our faith life together, I slowly decided that the Catholic Church was really something I was interested in. And 
you know, honestly, I wish I could tell you that RCIA just changed it all for me, but it probably wasn't until I had already gone through confirmation and we were on a marriage retreat at Holy Cross in Champaign, Illinois. That's where our parish was. And I just had this epiphany that I needed to learn more about this faith that I had just said I would bring my kids up in. So this to me was probably my instrumental point of I need to kind of kick it in gear and figure out what this is all about and not just go through the motions. Wow. So was there any moment as you're learning about the faith where you're just like really passionate about, like, I need to know more about this? Yeah. Interestingly enough, I, in the Montessori philosophy where I teach, we teach about that we really can't get our kids to learn unless they're curious to learn. And so it's, really important for us to try and find what drives them and what motivates them. And and what I found in my own life was what drove me was teaching my kids and my kids learning about the faith and me not knowing it. And so by the time we were at Our Lady of Mount Carmel, Megan is our oldest and she was in second grade. So she was getting ready to do first communion. Uh, TJ was in first and Katie was a, a baby. She was like 18 months. So I remember thinking, I've got to figure this out now while Megan is going through First Communion. And I went on my first Christ Renews His Parish weekend. It was during there that I met Father Christopher Roberts, who told me things about the Catholic faith that I realized I wish he never would have told me because I knew it. And then I had to be responsible for following it. And, And he always used to laugh and say, you know, if you don't know, you don't know you're sinning. And I go, I know. So I wish you would stop telling me those things. So I realized that I wasn't the practicing Catholic that I really wanted to be. And so it was then that Pete and I really learned about natural family planning and the commitment that it took us as a couple to really use natural family planning and communicate together. And I really think that along with Christ Renews His Parish made me realize how important it is to trust God and the path that he has you on. And I know you've had some struggles in the past couple of years. How has that allowed you to recognize that you need Christ in your life? You know, I was thinking about this this morning, just kind of reflecting on what I was going to talk about. It's so overwhelming sometimes to talk about the last two years of my life that I try not to do it with tears and I try to not overwhelm people with my burdens, but it's such an integral part of my story. And really, honestly, when I see what people are going through right now, struggling with not having control, I can see where God prepped me for it. And I'm so thankful for the struggles. I if I go through them all, it's, it would be crazy. But I, in, the, in a long story short, I lost many family members over the last two years. I have a daughter who's had three major brain surgeries. We lost a great nephew right after birth. We lost another one shortly after that, the second trimester pregnancy. Um, my sister had a brain bleed, and I had to drop everything and go to Florida and stay with her for gosh, almost two months. My mother-in-law was diagnosed with breast cancer and my father-in-law passed away this Christmas. Uh, We were all on vacation together. And after a while, I think you kind of sit back and you say, what else could happen? And I, I I learned not to ask that question anymore. 
because there always can be more. But what I found was instead of making the struggles about, oh, poor me, I have so much going on, I realized that I needed to recognize that God was giving me a gift to change, to mold myself, to make myself a better Christian, to lean on prayer in an incredible way that I have never leaned on before in my entire life. And it opened my family up to the Catholic faith. You know, I have all my family are still Methodist. Some aren't any religion whatsoever. I think it made them aware. I'm not going to say I'm converting them because that's probably not going to happen. But I made them aware of the importance of my faith and going to Mass. I can't tell you how many times my own sister and my mom joined me in Mass during the time we were in Florida attending to my other sister. It was powerful. Was there any like moment you're just like, I can't give in anymore? Yes, there was. There was a moment where, and I read somewhere, and I don't can't tell you where, and I wish I could quote the person because I'm a language teacher and it breaks my heart. I can't tell you where I read it. But I can tell you I read that you have to find God in the valley. And I recognized at one point that if I'm in the valley and I can't find God, I'm not looking hard enough. So I can ignore him or I can find him. And it's too hard to ignore him. He's there all the time in little ways. Uh, It's like Mr. Rogers, find the helpers. There's always someone there with a ladder. You just have to look and you just have to watch for them. And I realized that through prayer, I became more open to those little parts and those little segments of life that allowed you to crawl out of the valley. And sometimes there was another valley and that's okay because God really, really was instrumental in getting me out every single time. I really relied on St. Michael the Archangel and because of that beautiful prayer that we have to him, I actually looked up scripture the other day. See, curiosity drives you. And I was like, where did this guy come from? Why, why is he so powerful? And why is this so, working so much in my life? And I realized that I think it was three times that he appears in the Bible. But, you know, one is in Daniel, which is amazing because, you know, Daniel is suffering greatly and in the midst of the lion cage and St. Michael shows up there. He also shows up in Revelations. And I want to say the other one is maybe First Peter. But the strength of St. Michael is that he does defend us and he will keep us out of evil's way. And he can defend us. We see it. He defends us against the devil. And so I pray that multiple times a day, along with the divine mercy. I try my best to pray every day. And Anne, you mentioned that you're a language teacher, and I know that you're a beautiful writer as well because I follow your blog. Can you tell our listeners about your blog and how they could find your blog? Yeah, I have a blog. It's called makingroomforgod.com, and it's four spelled out, F-O-R. I do my best to blog 
I used to blog every day and I found that I was forcing myself to do it instead of prayerfully doing it. So now I blog when I feel like God's called me with a message. Sometimes that shows up because I've read a news article and I just feel a scripture comes on. Sometimes it's reflecting on Bishop Barron's words. I love to read Bishop Barron every morning. Sometimes it's a homily. Like I I have been known and my family is like probably rolling their eyes, but I have been known to like immediately get out of mass and start typing something on my phone because I came up with an idea. I mean, one of my favorite talks that Pete and I used to give at marriage retreats at Our Lady Mount Carmel was one on, you know, them saying there's no room at the end and telling Mary and Joseph there's no room at the end. And how many times do we hear that scripture at Christmas? And one Christmas we were in Florida and I'm sitting at mass and they said it and I was like, boom, I got to write this out. So I wrote out a speech based on no room at the end. I love writing. It's good for me. It's good to relay my feelings. And what I find is when God's behind it, I usually receive lots of messages saying, I feel the same way. This is exactly how I feel. And, and that touches me. Even if I just touch one person with my writing, I'm, I'm inspired to continue. And Anne, who is your biggest faith influencer? Oh, my goodness. Well, first off, Pete. I was a mess when I met Pete when I was 23 years old, I want to say. It was probably the one time I had really fallen away from God. I think it's tricky in your early 20s when you're in college, and I failed that test miserably. But I found Pete, and funny thing, we actually met in Indianapolis jogging, and our oldest is a runner, so we always laugh about that. We bumped into each other, we met, and we just hit it off from then. And he was so instrumental in nurturing my own faith, which was the Methodist faith, and modeling good faith, like going to Mass and attending Mass. And for the first time, I realized, yeah, I'm not doing what I need to be doing. And I finally got back into Bible studies, and my faith grew tremendously. But I would say, besides Pete, I have to always thank my parents because they gave me that foundation of faith that I needed, that solid rock to grow on. And the rains came and the floods washed it away, but not all the way because it was still there. So I'm thankful to them, but I'm also thankful to a very sweet woman we met out in Logan, Utah, when we lived out there for three years. And Margaret was instrumental in changing my world and being so patient with me and understanding when we were going against the church and using birth control and and not doing what we needed to do. And I remember how patient she was and guiding. And still to this day, she is my prayer warrior. When I need help, I email Margaret and we still keep in touch. And Anne, you know at Our Lady, we like to say we're grateful no matter what. What are you most grateful for today? So grateful for my husband and my kids and my extended family. Grateful for my faith community here that we found one here too. And I'm so grateful that God throws struggles in my midst, even today. And I know I'm saying that now. He's probably going to throw one in my way now just because I've said it. But it's true. I feel like when I say I'm blessed, it doesn't just mean I'm blessed because something good happens. It means I'm blessed because something bad happened and I got through it and I'm strong enough to do it with his help. Speaking of strength, how are you staying strong? How are you staying salty or being a good disciple of God this week? So much prayer. 
constant prayer, like I said, St. Michael the Archangel, uh, you could not pray it enough right now. We have so much going on in this world. Divine Mercy Chaplet, I, I love, well, I love to sing too. I didn't say that, but I actually, I love to sing. I sing in the Our Lady of Mount Carmel Choir and I cantered. So anytime I can get Seekers Divine Mercy Chaplet going, I do. I, I just love it. But I think most importantly, the way I stay salty is that I never ignore my curiosity. Anytime I'm curious about my faith or something that's going on in a scripture, I have no trouble diving into online information to figure out why is this so powerful and why is it working? I think curiosity is what continues our growth in faith. David, I think that's our call to action this yeah, week is, is to be curious. Mm-hmm. Be curious about your faith and discover it. You can find help by reading Anne's blog, Make Room for God. And also she encouraged us to pray the St. Michael, the Archangel's prayer every day along with the Divine Mercy. Well, Anne, thank you so yeah, much for great. joining us today and stay salty. Great having you, Anne. Thank you. Let's end with a prayer. God, our Father, I pray that through the Holy Spirit, I might hear the call of the new evangelization to deepen my faith, grow in confidence to proclaim the gospel and boldly witness to the saving grace of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever, amen. Thanks for listening today and stay salty.